The Shop, A Tale of Frightful Incompetence, written by W.P. Thrift, read by Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. Chapter 4, The First Day. Lantis had fallen asleep just before sunrise, which swiftly woke him back up again. He felt chilled from the long night, and now hot, stuffy, and sweaty from the morning sun. His eyes burned from lack of sleep, and his stomach was already growling. His bones were so sore from sleeping on the hard floor that he wasn't even sure they were functional enough to let him get up. Surprise! Happy birthday! The door they had neglected to lock banged loudly against the wall after flinging open as someone let themselves into the shop. Lantis was up on all fours and barking like a maniac at the sound of an intruder his wide, bloodshot eyes looking anything but friendly right now. God damn it, Lantis! Radix groaned, rolling over and not liking being awakened by a dog yelping at this hour. He felt his chilled, sore body protest his movements. Bowman, meanwhile, sat right up. Oh, good morning, Miranda. He pulled out another cig and lit it up. There was a pile of ashes and cigarette butts forming on the floor already because he had smoked in his sleep. I've brought you both presents, Miranda declared, holding out her arms full of boxes. How'd you find us? Radix had to ask, forcing himself up to a sitting position, but failing to maintain it and slumping back onto his elbows. Easy! I just checked every building in town I knew was for rent until I saw you through the window here, she said. Everyone crowded around and unwrapped the boxes to see what she had brought, and they'd all secretly hoped it was food. It wasn't, but they were all thoughtful gifts a flippable open-closed sign for the door, a touch-tone phone they could hang up on the wall, a potted plant for the corner of the room, and finally... Ultima Computer Repair Services DX? Radix asked, reading over the sign she had brought. It was written on a huge printed-out poster of Bowman working on a computer in the technology lab back in high school. Miranda had taken the original photo a couple years ago as she marveled over Bowman working with such dedication on a PC that the tech teacher, Mr. Ed, had long declared dead. The teacher had said it would never work again, and Bowman proved him wrong. But the name she had decided for the shop was a bit much. Would anyone take a serious with a name like that? Radix had to wonder. Oh, I love it, Bowman declared, looking at the sign. You only love that it has a picture of you on it, Radix shot back at him. What's with the name? I just had so much energy while I was putting it together, and I wanted a name that would reflect that, and I'm sure all of you have an incredible amount of energy burning in your hearts to get the shop up and off the ground and be the best possible computer repair shop that could ever exist, and oh my gosh, I'm out of breath! Miranda had to stop and take several deep breaths after that. The three fellows were all barely awake and moving slowly away from their uncomfortable sleeping arrangements. Hardly the energy-filled group. But if they were lucky, some of Miranda's energy would rub off on them. Anyway, I've got to run, Miranda said tons of buns opens in, like, five minutes. I'll come back and see what you've done with the place later, though, okay? See ya! She rushed out the door, leaving the trio alone with their new morning. Lantis went back to the corner to try and sleep, but now that the sun was up, it was just too hot for sleep to ever come. Radix knew a plan needed to be devised. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Radix was ready to lay it all out. We're gonna scour through the streets for some change so that we can each buy a soda from the sandwich shop. They get free refills, so we only ever need to buy one cup. Then, with caffeine flowing through our veins, we can figure out what to do next. Ready? Let's go! 
It took up most of their morning to find enough change for sodas. Along the way, they found a large tin can some bums were using as a spitting cup for Bowman to use as an ashtray so he'd stop ashing all over the carpet. Radix felt like things were already coming together when they returned to the shop with their new sodas. We have a couple bucks worth of change left over. So what can we do with this to help the shop? Radix posed the question. Oh, we could go to the discount surplus supply store to buy a desk, Bowman suggested. Yes, Lantis agreed quickly. Every shop has a desk. How do you know? Radix asked him. He lived in the forest until now. Lantis looked down at his feet. I just wanted to participate. We need some chairs, too, Bowman said. The floor is hell on my ass. While it was doubtful that even a store with as cheap of goods as the discount surplus store would have a desk for under two dollars, the trio still walked over to it anyways, in hopes of finding something they could use. And they did. They found a curtain and a curtain rod for a buck ninety, leaving them with a lofty ten cents left over to their name. What was the purpose of the curtain? Why, to create the extra wall that they wanted. It was super tacky, given it was a plastic curtain. Not a fancy bead or cloth curtain one would usually use to create a divide, but it still worked. They used it to separate the second back room, their bedroom, from the front of the shop. Still needing a desk and chairs, they ventured out to the only place in town cheaper than the discount surplus store. The City Dump. Radix and Bowman's worried expressions caused Lantis to tense up as they drew near their next destination. The two's pace crawled to a tiptoe as they approached a large tin building. They peeked inside the window, then gave a huge sigh of relief before resuming at their usual pace. We nearly had to go the long way around, Raddick said. Oh, fuck that, Bowman said. You assholes been making me walk around way too much today. I'm not walking any more than I have to. You really want to do a dash? Raddick asked him. Bowman frowned and said nothing. Who? Lantis asked, still walking cautiously as he wasn't certain the danger had passed. She works back there at the auto repair shop. Radix thumbed back to the tin building they had just passed. Ray Dash March. She hung out with all the bungholes back at high school, Bowman said. Filthy greaser. A what? Lantis asked. Stupid high school slang, Radix answered. It just means she does car stuff. You mean, like, harvesting potatoes? No, only Bowman's car runs on potatoes. But it is good to see you've been paying attention. What went unspoken was that it was Sunday, so of course the auto repair shop would be closed today. And now that they were past it, it was a straight shot to the city dump. If Bowman's car wasn't on the fritz, this would have been a good time to have used it, as hauling a desk back was gonna suck. The gate at the front of the dump was wide open, so they let themselves in. Radix pulled his shirt up over his nose, but it didn't help fend off the stench. Lantis was having a worse time of it, pacing back and forth at the entrance, unable to stomach stepping foot into the landfill. Bowman, meanwhile, seemed to have no issues with the stink. Smells like my parents' room out here. Oh, the doodads they did find, much of which would have made nice accessories for the shop, but the majority of the dump belonged to the homeless, and they were quite spry for people that lived in garbage. Not that Radix could judge them, he was technically trying to find garbage to surround himself with at his new home. Bowman had an easier time plundering through the dump, as he used his goggles to scan for heat signatures, so he'd know where nests of homeless might lurk so that he could avoid them. 
those same goggles allowed him to find a desk much faster than Raddick's ever would have. It sat on a high pillar of trash, and he was definitely not up for climbing it. Harming the Bowman orbital offense cannons. I'll blow that damn mountain up, Bowman said, using his goggles to redirect several satellites out in space to aim at the mound of trash. Bowman! Stop! Raddix yelled, running over to him. He had just spotted the desk himself when he noticed Bowman was staring at it. You'll blow up the desk, too! Well, I'm not climbing up that mountain. It's like two feet! Let me jump up there and grab the desk. It was two feet of used diapers and syringes, so Raddix had to tread lightly. The desk was covered in black gunk and worms, so he held it delicately by the side so as not to mesh his hands into it but that also prevented him from putting enough strength behind it to get the desk unstuck from the ground. While those two were messing around with the desk, Dash, with blue hair and a sleeve of tattoos on both arms, was walking past the dump on her way to the auto repair shop. There was always one project or another she was working on there, even on her days off. She saw Lantis pacing back and forth in front of the dump with his shirt half pulled over his head. What the hell are you doing? She couldn't help but ask. Searching for a desk, he shouted back in response. But I can't stand the stink. How could anybody? I don't think many people can. That's why you don't just walk into the dump. Dash didn't know why she had answered him, but he seemed to genuinely not know this. Then she looked into the dump and saw Raddix and Bowman trying to get a desk off a lump of garbage. Um, are you with those two? Yeah, we're running a shop. She choked out a laugh in surprise. I don't know how you know those two... But let me give you some fair warning. They're both dangerous. Don't trust them. Lantis was thrown off by this. He didn't know what to say. So after a brief but awkward moment of silence, Dash turned away from him and kept on walking. Radix and Bowman then appeared carrying not only one but two desks. The second was folded up on top of the hardwood desk they had pulled out of the hill of trash. Radix planned to name it Excalibur. Check it out, Radix said. This foldable desk is like a mini tennis table dilly thing. He had no idea what they were called. We can put it in the back room and Bowman can use it to fix computers on. It's too unstable for me to even put my lunch on it, and I don't even have any lunch, Bowman said. Fret not, I'm sure it's more stable than it looks. And if not, you can just fix stuff on the floor next to it. But I think the repair room needs a table in it. A centerpiece, if nothing else, Radix argued. Oh yeah, Atlantis, we found some chairs too. Run back in there and grab them, and we'll lug all this shit to the shop. Lantis panicked, looking back into the dump and seeing the chairs they were referring to. He wanted to argue the point, but instead mustered up his courage before charging into the landfill, screaming as he charged, grabbing the chairs and running back out, slinging the chairs into the highway before collapsing onto the sidewalk, panting and gasping for breath. Good job, Raddick said, only half sarcastically. Now go grab them before they get run over and let's go. Back at the shop, Bowman had taken a seat on his chair and refused to move. His feet were killing him after walking all day, and he wouldn't lift another muscle unless food was involved. Raddick set up the desk so that it faced the front door, with the door to the repair room behind it. Bowman was set at the long end, while Raddix was set at the other end, and Lantis in the center. Raddix wanted their mascot to be the first thing customers focused on when they came in through the door. As the hardwood desk surface area was uninhabitable by man... Raddix busted out a roll of duct tape from his duffel bag to cover every last square inch of the surface. It was mushy due to all the gunk underneath it, but at least it was stable enough for everyone to put their soda cups on it. 
The table tennis table was thrown into the back room, with Bowman being instructed to set it up later. Finally, Radix went outside and taped up the Ultima Computer Repair Shop DX sign that Miranda had brought them earlier on the window. Then he stuck the open-close sign on the inside of the glass front door. This was it. Everything was now set up. The shop is now fully armed and operational. Radix did the obligatory Star Wars reference. Come on, everyone, get up! We should open the shop for the first time, together. You and yours, Bowman grumbled. I done told you I'm not budging from this chair unless there's food involved. Well, if we open the shop, we'll get lots of customers, and that means lots of food money, Radix pointed out. Bowman bolted up from the chair, and Radix had to hold him back from flipping the sign over before it was time. We have to do a countdown, Radix insisted. He, Bowman, and Lantis had their hands on the sign, ready to flip it over to open. In three, two, one, Bonsai! The sign was flipped over to open, and the shop began its first official day of operations. Now we all just kick back and wait for the dough to start rolling in, Radix declared, and the trio all retreated to their seats at the desk, where they sipped from their sodas and stared at the door. Nothing was happening. Nobody came. Oh, Bowman had a thought. We should all have a celebratory smoke to commemorate the occasion. Yes, good idea, Radix agreed. Bowman passed out smokes. Lantis twirled his around in his fingers, wondering if he could eat it. He got the idea of what smoking was from watching Bowman, but that still didn't mean these things weren't edible. Bowman put the ash can in the center of the desk, then lit his cig up and passed the lighter to Lantis, who just stared at it, confused. With Radix waiting for him, he fumbled with the object for a moment until he was able to get the cig lit. I want more! Give me more! Lantis was up in a heartbeat. Sig and mouth and both hands grasped around Bowman's shirt. Bowman chirped like an agitated bird, then shoved him off. Go get your own. These things are wonderful! What the fuck were you doing holding out on me? Lentis had never felt so lively, then started choking and collapsing back down into his chair, never feeling so drained of energy. Fine, fine, Bowman agreed reluctantly, tossing the rest of his pack to Lantis. He had more where those came from, at least. But you're on your own after those. You can totally get more from Bowman, Radix wanted to point out. He may act angry, but he has a soft spot for people having nicotine fits. Oh, don't tell him that, Bowman snapped. Lantis inhaled the cig deeply, feeling relaxed for the first time in as long as he could remember. Boom! A howling gust of darkness slammed into the side of the shop. They could hear the tennis table in the repair room falling over. A giant bloodshot eye emerged from the darkness, pulsing and jiggling frantically about. A long, dark claw reached out towards the door. Oh, shit! Radix yelled, jumping out of his chair and rushing over to the door to lock it, and then, as an afterthought, turned the sign around closed. The claw grabbed at the door and shook it. The lights inside the room flickered and then cut off. Lantis fell backwards out of his chair and then ran into the back room to prop the tennis table back up and use it as cover. Bowman ran into the back room a moment later, but then kept going until he ran into the kitchen. Bowman did his agitated bird chirps as he quickly ran back out of the kitchen, the thing in the sink now trying to get him. All three of them were shortly hiding behind the tennis table, while the thing outside the shop pounded on the door. What the fuck is that? Radix demanded. A customer? Bowman asked. Yes, Bowman, it's a customer, 
Go greet them, Radix replied sarcastically. Okay, Bowman said, getting up and going back into the front room. He returned a moment later, making bird noises and jumping back behind the table. I tried to let them in and they tried to murder me. It's the shadow that's always following me, Lanta said quietly. The what now? Radix asked. Oh yeah, Miranda said you were cursed, Bowman suddenly recalled. You're what now? Radix asked, this time accusingly. The thing out front continued to howl and pound on the shop's doors until late into the night when it dissipated. Once it got late enough, it wasn't safe for anyone or anything to be out in the streets of Cattailville, because after midnight is when the really bad monsters come out. It's not even safe for a fog of disembodied darkness to be out. The lights came back on and the trio emerged from their hiding spot, only long enough to switch the lights back off before heading into the bedroom. All in all, this had been a pretty good first day. That concludes Chapter 4 of The Shop. Tune in every Tuesday for new chapters. If you'd like to reach me, you can do so at Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. That's L-A-N-T-I-S-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. And if you'd like to reach the author, you can send me your message, and I assure you he'll receive it, because we're the same person. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for next week's chapter, No Money, More Problems. <laughs>